Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Today, we have a special guest, Jill McCabe. Welcome here. Thank you so much, Arash. It's great to be here. Now, uh, one of the toughest questions, let's just get that one off, out of the way, is how would you describe yourself briefly to our audience? Well, hello, audience. I'm delighted to, to have a chance to speak to you today. I am an author, a business coach, and an educator, specifically for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. I My main thing is helping you clarify a business vision and building it faster, taking it further with a big interest in neuroscience and behavioral science and how you can rearrange your world to make success much easier, more inevitable and more fun. Okay. Oh, I like the fun part, right? So it's it's not all all just like work. It's it's also a bit of fun and games. Oh no, a big thing about my community is that we're we've sort of been there, done that on the work too much for whether it's for ourselves or for someone else. And a big driver of everybody that I work with is about how to be so intentional with what you're doing that you can't imagine having more fun with your life. I, I have, yeah, like I've said, I've done the hard work thing. I've done the work too much thing. I've done the misaligned priorities thing. And that's why I like working with purpose-driven entrepreneurs because even when you are working on what you're doing, it is fun because you see real usefulness for people or for society, for you, or for your family. And it, it creates this incredible sense of, of being, and that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of it also depends on like finding the right thing for you. And we're going to talk about that too, but your book is it's go time. Your latest book It's go time, build the business and life you really want. And I think that fits in perfectly here. So finding the business and the life you want, everything kind of a holistic view of it. And it starts with, really, it starts with ourselves. It does. And I'm going to, you know, I've had a chance to work with a lot of people since writing the book. So in the book, I take people through, first of all, why you are where you are now. Really, how did you get here? All of the things that are amazing about your life, mm -hmm. how did they happen? All of the things about your life that you're questioning, why did they happen? Because it's not until we understand how we got to where we are that we're going to be more empowered to make a, a you know new choices about where we're going. So that's job number one, I think. But with the book, I'm also really intentional about building a business that fits your life. My first business was a multi-million dollar business that took a lot of hours, time, a big team. It was very exhausting to run. And that wasn't something that I wanted for my future. And most of my clients want to make a difference in the world, but not to the point or my, our group members and things like that, but not to the point where they're exhausted or drained. And it's funny because a lot of people that business in life, you really want, I hear people sort of describing these million dollar businesses and getting interviewed on Oprah and then contrasting that. And that's the activities that uh, people could do in chapter so five of my book. But then when I ask them, well, what do you want your life to be like? It's like, well, I want to wake up and meditate. I want to eat something really clean for breakfast. I want to work for a little while. I want to have lunch with a friend. I want to, you know, exercise and do yoga. And I contrast, I say, you know, the, the business you're describing, this million dollar business, be careful because bigger isn't always better. And what a lot of people don't understand is that you can actually have a very similar lifestyle 
if your business is doing between 250 and 400, in fact, you could have a much better lifestyle than if your business is one, two, three million. And so what will happen is like some people will put these like goal, and it doesn't matter if you're a listener, if, if you're thinking, oh, I want to do a business or, or another kind of goal or be noticed for a certain kind of work. If you make the goal much bigger than it really needs to be for no good reason, your body, your brain won't let you work on that goal. So oftentimes, you know, we'll create these really nice lifestyle businesses and people are like, oh, just in a handful of hours a week, I can make a difference. I can make money. I can improve the quality of my life. I can bring money in, but it doesn't need to be this all consuming thing. Now it can be if someone wants to go and build a giant company, that's fine. But a lot of people who work with me really want a solid company, but not exhausting. And that's, I think a big thing that I noticed. So it's just would like, like say, I want to a thing and then you don't really. <laughs> would you say that we, it's better to start small, maybe taking step by step? Is that what you're saying? Or should we already dream big and try to go for the for the big thing? What would you say? I'm saying we should match it to the life we want to live. And that's why okay. I really bring that in. In chapter five, I describe an activity where you just, you know, you create something called a pathfinder vision. A vision in a business is really important, but if someone was just starting out, a pathfinder vision is better because when until you've started a little bit, you don't really know how you're going to take your business. Mm -hmm. You need to spend the first couple of years trialing things. And that's what I teach in my book. It's go time. There's an order of operations that make that go much more efficiently with less work. What I'm saying is to match, not necessarily have big goals, not necessarily have, I call it Goldilocksing. <laughs> it's not having giant goals. It's not having tiny goals. It's having goals. If you want to lie around on a beach all day long and you don't want to work, well then don't create a business that's going to require 30, 40, 50 employees. Although you may get to that beach, at some point, it's 1% of entrepreneurs who are going to get there. Instead, you might be amazed at what you can create. You know, I asked a, a CEO of fairly large Fortune 500 companies, and we were chatting, we were having dinner. And they said, what do you think is the hardest you know, amount of money for an entrepreneur? He's like, I pay the entrepreneurs between one and 10 million. Those are tough years. And it's funny because you might say to someone who's just a few hundred, you know, you might say to someone who's like around a hundred or a few hundred thousand, and they're so struggling for that, but they don't realize how much they're going to have to work to get beyond that. So I'm just saying match. Mm -hmm. And if you're just like, that's what I want to do. And that's fun. Then do that, but do it because it's fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. You that's know? hugely important. Should we have a feedback loop of seeing like, okay, like you try out something. And I think one of the things too, and you, you're talking about here, uh, something that with mistakes that you've made. And I think people are too afraid of making those mistakes. So they try to avoid it, but they don't see the potential that those mistakes could lead towards growth and towards really understanding what you really want. And so they like, they don't jump in because they're afraid of, of make that it would be a mistake. So in uh, the the kind of question that I'm getting at is like, how do we really find out what we really want? Because often we think we want something, but that's not what we want. Correct. <laughs> oh boy, that's a huge <laughs> question. What a smart question. So much in what you just said. Let me capture this. So for me, my head's going in, in two directions because that is the tr 
that is the truth. I mean, yeah. I'm the expert on helping people find what they really want. Mm -hmm. And I've helped countless people do this for directly worked with dozens, if not hundreds of people on this. And, you know, I've had over 20,000 students on this topic mm -hmm. who have organically found me online. And I'd say not truly knowing what we want. Here's what I'd say. It's actually a process. It's almost, I can almost guarantee that any goal, like not almost guaranteed. No, I know science shows us that any goal that any goal that you haven't already achieved that you've wanted for a while that you've you believed you have wanted for a while it's actually shine scientifically shown that you don't actually want that so there's a difference between conscious and subconscious goals and it's actually our subconscious goals that win and by that i mean you do achieve all of the goals in your subconscious. You don't achieve all of the goals in your conscious mind because your subconscious mind acts before your conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you get these inconsistencies yeah. in your behavior where you state one thing and do another, or where you desire one thing and you're like, what? Self-sabotage. I mean, we, we do that too. And there's like a part of you says that you want to do it, but then the subconscious doesn't want to do it. And then uh, it doesn't work out. Absolutely. And that's a very innocent situation. So the self-sabotage sounds like to some degree, perhaps we're hurting ourselves, mm -hmm. um, And, and I think it's important to understand that it's very innocent. It's, it's an identification that there are competing goals in your mind mm -hmm. and the one you consciously want is subservient to the one you don't even know you have. And that is a big part of my book. It's go time is helping people to identify these things. And then of course, understand that there are very straightforward and easy things that you can do to reprogram. They take your time, they take your attention and anyone can do them. And so they're, they're really worth it. So coming back to that, I don't know what my goals are. Like, how do I figure out what my goals are? For me, it's an unpacking process. Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens instantly. You state a goal, you ask yourself, why, you know, why do I want this goal? Why else do I want this goal? What do I believe will happen if I achieve this goal? And you can take a number of steps. And I do teach on goal setting with something I call the motive, uh, MoMA method, because typical goal setting methods do not reveal the underlying uh, desire for the goal. And that's that, that puts your goal at risk of many problems. So that's the first step. But the second step that I think is really important is you do start working on that goal because as you start working on that goal, especially bigger goals, you almost certainly will discover that that goal will shift and move. <laughs> and so a lot of people who work with me, uh, growing their businesses, especially in, in the first few years, that's a lot of the support is just re-identifying that moving target. And it's not wrong to have a moving target in the beginning. It's one person described it to me as imagine climbing a mountain. You see the, the peak of the mountain. You're like, I want to go there. <laughs> 
I want to get there. And you're like, yay. And off you go. And let's just pretend you're like, you're all in, you found your purpose and you're going, and you're like going towards that mountain top. Well, as you're climbing, you know, all of a sudden you see another mountain range beyond the tip of the mountain you were going for. You're like, oh, I didn't even know that mountain range was that what? <laughs> and so as we work towards our goals, we more comes into view, more becomes possible. And you asked earlier in this conversation, should I have great big goals or small goals? Well, that actually depends on what motivates you. So it was hard to answer that directly, but I'll answer it now. You want to have goals just beyond what you think you can achieve. So you want to take, so if people are like 10X, your goal, that's not always the right thing to do because it might seem impossible to you. And if it seems impossible, you won't work on it because it's certain failure. And we don't work on things that feel like certain failure, but it's, it has been shown by science. If you take it and stretch it just a little beyond, and, and I always say, you know, when you're at your right kind of amount of big on your goal, if one day you're like, I'm going to get there. And the next day you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get there. And then the day after that, you're like, I'm going to get there. And the next day you're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to get there. I love that. I think that's the perfect amount of, you know, yes, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a comfort zone that we get stuck in and just like pushing like beyond that so it feels slightly uncomfortable I think but not overwhelmingly so because then we would give up right and it's also with like when you do dieting or you want to lose weight and doing exercise it's that kind of like the push but not overdrive I think yeah and 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 just one of the things too I I, I know it's like uh, when we look back as children we pretty much know what we really want to do I think we are more in line with the subconscious at that point and then there's all these other voices that are telling you, no, this is not good. This won't make money or this is not a good career choice. And and as a writer, um, I mean, as, as a kid, I wanted to be a writer, but we didn't have podcasting. So then that's when you say, well, well this, this is another mountain. And I like that, what you're saying and just adjusting to that. I can do the same amount of creativity, but in a different form. And that's where our intuition, I think, would really help us to to guide us in that 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 right direction. It's critical. Mm -hmm. I think nurturing your intuition. So my background, how did I, you know, come to be a best-selling author, a business coach, mm -hmm. an educator? I've spent decades in this field. I've been an entrepreneur. And I think we talk, we talk about that reflection is such an important thing. I remember going to do my master's in leadership at the time. I most of my work was around training leaders within entrepreneurial organizations and the entrepreneurs at the top of those organizations. That's a big focus of the, the masterminds and memberships that I offer now, because I really believe that, that we need to teach entrepreneurs sort of how to fish. What are the true leadership skills? I was really surprised. And this was after being somebody who developed leaders for years. I was really surprised when I did my master's that probably the number, the number one thing that made a difference to how much money you make as an entrepreneur was vision that over a century of research has shown that you can increase the amount you make or how fast you go by two to 12 times. And most 10 to 12 times simply by having a clearly articulated meaningful goal for the future that's underscored by purpose. That is why such a big part of my work is helping people craft those visions. But the other thing is reflection. 
It's true knowledge of self. And this gets back to what you were saying is that that ability to have quiet time with yourself, that ability to look within is where power comes from. Because in my opinion, your power is directly correlated to how true you're being to yourself. And what I was going to say this earlier when I said, oh, that's such a big question. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to say entrepreneurship, especially purpose-driven entrepreneurship, which is, it's really a category within entrepreneurship. It's like, there's something bigger than making money there. Money's there, but there's something bigger than mm-hmm. money behind it. Mm-hmm. And that is, I like to call it <laughs> an exfoliation of the soul. Mm. That's cool. <laughs> And I'm the one holding the loofah. So, so I don't think I, I ever heard I, that, but I like it. <laughs> and it really is because I truly believe the more you are true to yourself, the more successful you will be. And so to not expect to understand the truth of yourself today or tomorrow or Friday or next Monday, <laughs> but to understand that what a worthy quest for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. What a worthy quest. And so entrepreneurship is great because if you want to discover who you really are, become an entrepreneur, but be ready because in organizations, we can hide behind others. But in entrepreneurs, there's nothing between us and the world. And everything we're amazing at will be revealed. Yeah. And everything that are opportunities for inner growth and development and humility will also be revealed. And if you really want to get to the, to the essence of who you are, entrepreneurship will provide a lot of opportunities to look in the mirror. Exactly. The mirror. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I want to get back to, I, I love the question why, and I think a lot of the times we don't, and that's kind of my interest in philosophy too, is we don't sit down and ask ourselves, why? Why am I doing this? Why do I want to become an entrepreneur? Why this field? Why that? And yes. like, and and being honest about it too. And once once you kind of, and I, I like it, you eliminate stuff that is not you. And that's how you get to your true essence. And you say, yes. well, this was my, my parents speaking. This was my school. This was my school teacher. And once you take that off the map, and then you get to the core self and say, oh, this is what I really want. And then to be able to, to take that path. So it's, to me, it's a process of elimination and that's how we can, it's discovery too. That's how we can find out uh, what we want, but the subconscious is, is actually an ally and, and, and it can, it can help us, but we do have to listen to it too. So how can we, remove those blocks because um i i don't think uh, i don't know in your leadership classes i don't think the subconscious gets enough credit for the amount of power it actually has over us and over our lives and so uh yeah let's talk about that what is it how would you define it and how can we remove it so it doesn't block us yeah people have a really hard time about that uh with this concept because first of all it does get a lot of credit um Good. We've got uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by uh, Daniel Kahneman, who won a Nobel Prize for his work, is all about the subconscious, right? But he's using the terminology system one and system two thinking. Mm -hmm. I think part of the problem is that there is a lot of language that people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Language like mindset Mm -hmm. is often misunderstood because... Mm -hmm. 
when you hear the word, it sounds very much like something you could change if you wanted to. Like a thermostat, you know, I'm going to uh, crank it up. <laughs> yeah, like I get to make a choice and I'm going to have a different mindset, but that's not actually how it works. Yeah. Mindset is uh, the definition, you know, and how it's used clinically and all the benefits that come from it are really about what your subconscious goals are. And another term for that is a, a team of neuroscientists that I reveal their research in my book, It's Go Time, use the term hot goals. It's the same thing. They are subconscious, unconscious, not available to our conscious brain. We also hear the term beliefs. We also hear the term biases. Guys, we can roll this all up into the same concept. The milliseconds to up to 10 seconds prior to conscious awareness, most of our, what we see, say, and do are happening. So this is critical. And you brought up something I really appreciate you bringing up that we can have a really good relationship with this part of ourselves. What, what certainly helped me as I was, you know, I, I, I'm a pessimist. I'm someone who thought very poorly of myself for a very long time. And the older you get, if you have self-doubt or, you know, you don't love yourself, actually the more it becomes revealed in your life. So these things are not that noticeable in our twenties and thirties and in our forties and fifties, because we get more of everything. And the reason why and the work Carol Dweck's original work on mindset sort of helps us understand there's something called Hab's law wire together, fire together, which means that every time we do something or think something, there's a neurological synapses in our brain that sort of wire us to behave that way. And we, we don't really realize that on the subconscious is non, you know, we're not, we only can handle around seven ideas in our conscious. So believe me, most of the systems of your body are just figuring it out. You don't have to remember to breathe. You don't have to remember to do a lot of things. And that's because there's a part of your body who's going to take control of that. And I personally believe that if we work harmoniously with that part of our body, then we get further ahead. And here's, here's the rub. You know, I talk about this in my book. There's two languages, the language of the concept the, of the conscious mind, our concepts and ideas, abstracts, success, love, you know, abstract, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? whereas happiness, yeah. the, the language of our subconscious mind, this is the part of our brain that's moving my arms up and down right now, if you're watching the video, or it's, it's the part of my brain that's, um, that's interacting with the world and running my body, it's actually tactile. So it, it learns from the senses. It learns from sights and feelings and emotions, which is why people are trying to get you to do vision boards that are very emotionally moving because this is going, you, you need to translate your goals into a language that it can understand. And if, if your goals are in conflict, you actually have to convince it. You have to go one step further. You have to be like a defense attorney and you have to convince your subconscious to shift from an old goal. And for, for example, I deal a lot with, I don't want to be seen. Mm -hmm. right? So a big one that I deal with is, um, you know, oh, I don't want to be in front or take space away from other people or who am I, you know, my question would be why? 
why don't you want to be seen and it's like it's it's like really like getting to the root of the issue it's like why do you feel this way and that that that's a fascinating discovery but I think a lot of us just stop there it's like oh that that's the way I am that's because that's the way it is and I think really like diving into it and getting to some uncomfortable moments and 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 feelings and and beliefs and values and so on that are there that are that are coming bubbling up so i i think like in terms of like subconscious is like psychology psychologically like our body when when we're in pain our body's alerting us and when we feel anxious or when we lack confidence and when we're negative there's something the subconscious is trying to communicate but we keep ignoring it and that is not helping. So when you're in pain, you would not keep going. Usually you would stop and say, well, let's let's deal with this. But we don't do the same with our mind and mental health and so on. I feel a hundred percent. And I, I was actually talking to a doctor on my podcast just weeks ago about this, because if we don't listen to the emotional needs of ourselves for long enough, then that will come out as a physical ailment because it's socially acceptable to get sick and get attention, or it's socially acceptable to have certain things happen and get attention. And I do, I agree with you that I think what makes, this is me guessing. So I I think what makes it uncomfortable to talk about this part of the mind is first of all, if in the field of science, neuroscience is still relatively new mm-hmm. and you no know, uh, functional imaging, like fMRIs and stuff like that, or MRIs, they're just, it's just new to be able to mm-hmm. watch how our brain is working and firing. And I, I just think it's really hard because you hear some people call it the unconscious and some people call it the subconscious. And at what point does this stop being science and start sounding like voodoo, you know? And so I think, but we have seen phenomenal, highly credible scientists showing that there's regions of our brain that are acting that we're not aware of. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we can call that safely the subconscious. I also want to touch on something you said, which was, you know, those moments in discomfort of why. I've helped countless people discover their reason why. And it can be as simple for a woman, you know, it can be as simple as, oh, don't show off. That's not ladylike. Mm-hmm. And having that message repeated over time and realizing, well, how can we assert ourselves and put our good into the world without going cross? You know, where is the the boundary of contributing our good and being too pushy. Um, Where is, you know, where does that lie? Another thing I've seen come up a lot is I've seen with men, my male clients, I've seen some sort of bullying that they don't even realize is still, they, they think it's not a part of them anymore. But when we go through the process to figure out what happened in the past, to stop because there'll be like in number two jobs and like, you know, just the number two problem instead of that, it's like, why not number one? Mm-hmm. And that is often, not often. I, I would say I have several clients for whom male clients who are bullied and who got by, by getting out of sight. Mm-hmm. So when you want to be an entrepreneur, you can't be out of sight. It's really hard to be out of sight because you have to advocate for your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so going in and reprogramming your subconscious to realize it's okay. It's safe to speak up now. A lot of people are afraid of opening Pandora's box, but the truth is 
the pain last moments um, and the feeling of freedom that arises from healing these things you get for the rest of your life. It is <laughs> worth those few moments of discomfort. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and in, uh, if you want to be inspiring, you need to be inspired yourself. If you want to motivate others, you need to be motivated yourself. So it's it's like, and I think to me, that's leadership of like, really like you embody it. And then you need to be seen. I mean, of course, but you need to also kind of see yourself at the same time uh, in a in a way that's not distorted. And uh, in in I I think like a lot of things like just about myself is like I often like doubt things as well. Like you're saying, I went through that period, but at some point, you know, you realize like, oh, it's I'm fine the way I am. And it's all these doubts are just like projected, but they're not they're not reality. In many cases. We assume the worst, but in, in fact, people don't think badly of us. Maybe they actually don't have time to think about us in a negative way. They got other concerns and so on. So I think it's like really like coming to terms with that. And for me, uh, confident, like uh, positive thinking is something I, I, I actually want to talk about here. And I have like some clear ideas about it. Um, but what you said about mindset, I, I find uh, I find absolutely true. Like mindset is not just something that, you know, you just switch on. And I think I feel the same way about positive thinking, but I want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> well, I really want to acknowledge what you just said before I tell you my my thoughts on positive thinking, which um, that is one of the topics that fires me up a bit. But before I get to that, I, I just really want to acknowledge what you said about honoring yourself and who you are and having come through that. And it made me think about the listener because there's inherently, we, we just live in a world that at some point told us we were wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I just want to say to the listener, if you've ever been told you were wrong, right? You did something wrong. You weren't trustworthy. You didn't, you know, follow through. You weren't honest with someone. You didn't meet a deadline. You promised a day. Like anything where you feel like you've disappointed yourself, I know who am I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I forgive you. You should forgive you. I hope you forgive you. Mm -hmm. We are all doing our best. Mm -hmm. And at any given moment, you did your best. And I want you to just let go of any idea that you need to be anyone other than who you are right now. And I want you to let go of the idea that you need to change or become another version of yourself to be lovable. Mm -hmm. I've met so many people so many people worked with so many people and i i feel like i know for sure that everybody has something special a special gift and i know you have a special gift and almost certainly this is what happens our special gifts are squashed as we're growing mm -hmm. up for the very reason that they're special because growing up we're trying to learn how to fit in right and mm -hmm. so to fit in we often dim our light of what makes us special, but we can't do this. What we need to do is actually as an entrepreneur, particularly, but I would say anyone, if you're listening to this, doesn't matter entrepreneurship, but as an entrepreneur, particularly, you can't dim your light and look like everyone else or nobody will buy from you. You have to brighten your light. So the first thing to look at is what is something you got in big trouble for doing growing up? What is something that you used to love to do and sort of people said that was wrong? Because that might be a clue to what's special about you. And in fact, what should, what does and needs to come out in your adult 
life. So I just want to say that each and every listener here, I know for sure you've got something amazing about you. I love that. I just want to just want to add something to it, too. I mean, our DNA is unique. We're unique in the world. So that's why what we bring to the world is unique. And we really need to mind that and, and, and discover that the same way, because we're born unique. And why do we want to conform? Because when you conform, you're giving up that uniqueness. You want to look like everybody else. You want to talk like everyone else and do the same things and just, just celebrate that, you know, that's something very special and don't feel bad about it. And those people who, who, make you feel bad about it is because they feel bad about it themselves. So it's that that kind of cycle of, again, forgiveness, very important yourself and others for doing what they're doing, what saying what they're saying, because as Jesus said, they don't know what they're doing in, 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 in many cases. And I, I, I do believe that and, and not to take it very personally. I think that's that's hugely important, too. Well, I think this is very interesting. If we take this idea First of all, not to take it personally, I love that. Second of all, to realize they don't know what they're doing. You don't know what you're, this is why, because our subconscious is actually running the show, not based on instructions you've given it, but mm. based on a lifetime of messaging mm. and instructions you may have given it when you were younger. And this is why this gentle way forward of coming together in relationship with this part of your brain is absolutely critical as you get older to really this this depth of self-knowledge and to understand that everyone else is just operating on what they were told growing up. And mm -hmm. so it can help bring forth a lot of compassion for others and for yourself mm -hmm. and to realize no one, I don't think people are out there, this is not a malicious thing. This has happened naturally over time. We dimmed our light, we dimmed our magic, we dimmed our what's unique because we needed to fit in. So we weren't the one who was bullied. Mm -hmm. And so we hid the things that were weird and different about us growing up because the nature of growing up <laughs> makes us do that. And so if you, if I look at this from sort of like a bigger, like why would the world work in a way that systematically causes us to become like others? And perhaps it is so that we can systematically reflect let's just bring this full circle to how we it's, bring that at the beginning it's okay if you're aware of it though i mean that is my issue if, if you do it on purpose i'm gonna conform and i'm aware that i'm conforming that is fine that is fine by me because it's like you know then you are in control but being driven and not knowing that causes the issue where you think you are that you can pretend to be someone and if you're aware of it that's fine i had to talk about uh, tricksters and how they they fool others and I think because they, they're not taking themselves so seriously and they play games on it, they pretend to be somebody else and they're aware of that. Yeah. That is the difference. But if you think who you are, and we, we see it with, with presidents who are mis, uh, misguided in their perception of who they think they are and they're not that, but if they had a sense of humor and they were just projecting something and knew that was not them, they're just playing a, a game or a role, that's okay to a certain extent. So let's go back to this idea of leaders. You know, with during my master's in leadership, talking about this whole reflection period, mm -hmm. we've definitely seen, and it is demonstrated that people, that leaders and people who take time every single day to reflect and even stop thinking or meditate, that this is a practice of winners. Why? Because when we get too much in our egoic mind, 
we lose sight of things, you know, I'm bringing forth back intuition and where does this come into it? And that actually comes into it from understanding that we are of more than one mind mm -hmm. and knowing how to access your mind of choice and control and action. The conscious mind is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Know? And that's the mind where you get to be de de definitive and decisive and make decisions and lay things down and pay attention to this talk right now that we're having this conversation, this dialogue. But there's another mind that's sort of just running the show and it needs a certain set of inputs to change. I think there's a third mind. And I talk about the two minds in, in my book, right? I talk about the conscious and the subconscious. But I also think there's, we know that information like emotions are going from the gut, right? Up mm -hmm. to the brain, from mm -hmm. the heart up to the brain. Mm -hmm. So there is also this need to just breathe and be in order to be smarter, which was challenging for me because I was, you know, very heady person growing up. Everything was like here. And then when I realized I had to start honoring my physical vessel to be I, the person who really had me convinced, it was they're like, Jill, you should do it. So you'll be healthier when you get older. I'm like, and like, Jill, you should do it. I'm like, who cares about that? I'm all about like the brain and the mind and whatever. And then someone said, your information's coming through your gut to your brain. So if that's not clean, you know, you're not clean. I'm like, you mean I could get smarter? And so well, for me, for me, it was like a doctor I talked to, and he was, he was on my podcast, and he said like there are three brains, and I thought, oh, really, right? So there, there's the, the 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 brain that we associate with the brain, your heart and your gut, and so that makes us so much smarter. And why not access all those three brains? We talked yeah, about me, only using ten percent or four. Okay, then even yeah. even better. The more the better here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is the more the better, which makes me think. I bet you there's more, you know, but I don't even want to go, but I, I'll just say like, once we start realizing that there's all of these sources of information and this comes back to intuition. Mm -hmm. And so we really need to get out of our head. We really need to settle that, that speaking. You did ask, I know before, before we wrap up, I did want to come back to your concept of positive thinking. Because yes. It annoys me sometimes. <laughs> and what's funny, you know, I'm going to hold up my mug in case, you know, I do have this mug and it, you know, mm -hmm. it's like optimist. Yeah. And this was a hard one title that I wear now. And the reason you earned it though, I earned it. <laughs> yes. I, earned it. Um, I came from very academic, very critically minded mm -hmm. family who criticized, you know, who, who you'd say like, there's a parade on, on Friday and they'd be like, who is your source? How do you know? And it was Double just, <laughs> I remember showing some of my favorite work. I'm so proud of it professionally. I really solved a problem for entrepreneurs and it was like something no one else had solved. And I showed it to my brother who, instead of just saying, wow, how cool, he graded it. I was like, who does that? Grades, like show and tell. So it was just, I'm an instructor, but I don't I don't grade stuff. I just that's well, just, just like, you know, when I have to. Well, and it was really neat. It was really neat. It was like this model to figure things out it was just really interesting I was like well you couldn't create it but you could create it I don't even understand that and so but it's not his again it's not him doing it it's our nature growing up and and so I was very self-critical constantly seeing what I did wrong versus what I did right but here's the problem that I have with positive talk is that it can be a little Pollyanna so if we're just going raw raw says you can do it you can do it 
you know, old me, I, I, in what my podcast is called thinking vitamins because I had to use vitamins on how to think like literally control how I thought in order to change my negative self-talk and that positive thing, what I remember for the longest time, just as soon as I would say, you can do it, there was like a, yeah, right. Whispering somewhere. No, you can't. You're nobody. You're no good. You're dumb. You're not important. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're, you're not from an influential family. You don't have the right, you know, background. You don't have this, you, all the things wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I would just list. And that was shifted into positive thinking with a couple of key things. One, I think when we say stuff like, you know, you can do it and positive talk, I think we just want to back it up. Like, okay, how can you do it? When you mm -hmm. ask a question, you force your subconscious to engage. It actually creates a link between your conscious and your subconscious, particularly if you ask what's called an open-ended question, which mm -hmm. means you cannot answer it with the word yes or no. So that's going to start with a word like how, or what could, or how and what questions are typically really good for that. So how can I achieve this is something that can, you know, how else could I achieve it? Or how could it get better? You know, when you're like, oh no, things are good. They're going to fall apart. Instead say, you know, how could it get better? So we can use language intentionally to improve our habitual thought. That, that, I think that's a really important mm -hmm. concept for developing positive thinking. The other thing that sort of helped me earn my title of optimist is I learned at one point that optimists were more, you know, they live longer, they were happier, they were healthier. They had all these things that I knew I wasn't going to have. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so negative about myself. How I want all that. So I, I start reading these books, you know, by doctors and things like that on optimism and discover, wait a second, optimism isn't Pollyanna. People who are optimists are not wearing rose colored glasses and going, everything is great. Like a lot of self-help movement would have you think. No, instead, I like to describe it this way. And my dog agrees. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, <laughs> I like to describe it as there's a half, you know, we often think of it as the, the glass half empty. Uh -huh. yeah, half. Yeah. I like to think of an optimist this way. They look at an eight ounce glass. They see four ounces of water in it. They say neither it's empty nor full. What they say is there's four ounces of water in an eight ounce glass. How am I going to get four more ounces? <laughs> that is in fact, clinical optimism mm -hmm. that leads to all of those wonderful life benefits, which for someone who used to be a pessimist like me is very attainable because I don't have to be delusional or lie to myself. I can simply be realistic and say, Yes, that is an eight ounce class. Mm -hmm. I have four ounce. I could look at my bank account and want a certain amount. Mm -hmm. How will I do it? It doesn't matter. The concept is it's practical, mm -hmm. it's realistic, mm -hmm. and it's smart. And mm -hmm. so that's. Yeah, no, I, I really, I, I like optimism. I'm, I'm a huge fan of optimism because I think that's the only way we can be. I think that's it because it's like positive thinking is uh, I think we're fooling ourselves in many cases where we just think now I'm thinking positive everything will be fine but that takes out negativity which is actually a great source of learning 
And then where do you draw the line? And I, I we see that with good and bad. And it's not that easy to decide. Something bad that happens to you is actually good for you. Suffering that you go through, I think midlife crisis uh, is probably one of the best experiences because of what you can take out of it and not uh, not getting like bogged down or, or stuck in it. And so it's an opportunity. And I think the 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 optimist, like once you... I think once you clear like your browser, like uh, just uh, clear your cache, I think, and there's like nothing else and you just like view yourself, neither negative nor positive, you just, just this moment, then you can evaluate things and you can see the benefit. I would say glass is half, uh, half full. Perfect. I'm going to drink it. You know, I got this glass and it's full. It's half full. That's wonderful. Right. Instead of either thinking that it's half empty or saying, how much can I have more? I have this right now. I'm going to try, of course, be driven and be motivated to have more. But I want to really appreciate the fact that I it's love that. Yeah. And that's that's really because appreciating what we have, I think, is a great place to start. So it would be like, wow, look at me. I have like a half glass of water. Exactly. I have a full glass. How could I get even more? So that that is a, a, a yeah. beautiful insight. Yeah. And I, I think it's very critical to have that frame of having because we do always get more of what we're aware of and I think so many people are and we focus on our lack I don't have this I don't have this okay yeah but what do you have and then try to expand right in that sense absolutely it's a big focus in reframing that I do mm -hmm. with uh entrepreneur purpose-driven entrepreneurs that mm -hmm. work with me or take our our programs because there's very intentional ways of learning. And I think that's something you brought up that also really piqued my curiosity. Another one of my pet peeves, and this really bugs me, um, it, it, it annoys me, is it happened for the best. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is something I agree with, which mm -hmm. makes it like, what do you mean it bugs you and you agree with it? It's like, yeah, it, I agree with it. And it bugs me. Mm -hmm. And I agree with it because it can be true. Because as you said, the midlife crisis can be the best thing that happens for you. And that can be true. And in my experience, is it's only if you learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. So that there is, I believe that life is a learning experience. Yes. And I believe that when we're done learning, that's we're done life. You know, I think that that's really, those two things can't be separated. And what I believe is that people don't know how to learn those lessons. And so I see them kind of saying, you know, kind of shrugging things off with false positivity. That's it. Yeah. Saying, yeah, well, you know, it, it happened for a reason and uh -huh. kind of like not taking a lot of ownership or domain over that or it was destined to happen you know and that's another way of like just like yeah not not taking ownership not Passivity. accepting responsibility yeah yeah absolutely I, i'm writing my whole next book is on this topic oh cool <laughs> uh, yeah so I'm, I'm putting together a research uh group on this i'm i'm doing mm -hmm. is and collecting some data because because i i so i know that people really don't know how to learn their life lessons and i don't feel there is, a, I, I feel like that's needed mm -hmm. in the conversation right now, because what I've witnessed is if you can truly rise to the occasion and learn the lesson of a life experience. And to me, that often goes back to forgiveness. It often goes back to healing something, you know, for those of 
you listening who are comfortable with the idea of healing something from your past in this life, great. Uh, some people are comfortable with the idea that they might have brought karma from, you know, we have the idea of like the sins mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the children or seven generations. And so it might be something that ancestors have done, or if you believe in your own past lives, whatever that is, there is an element of forgiveness. We know that we can't get annoyed or irked at situations or frustrated with things that aren't incomplete, that are complete within us when they're incomplete. Mm -hmm. So the very act of something bad happening, I used to cry and go, why me? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I like, I work so hard. I try so I'm hard. I'm such a good person. <laughs> I'm such a good person. And I do all these good things for other people. Why me? Yeah. So much pain I've had. And then when I realized, thank you. Mm -hmm. And now my period of mourning after something bad happens is so, and I'm not talking about a close loved one passing. I'm not talking about something that's, I, I'm talking about, you know, mm. my business, something mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. You know, something that truly is not, you know, I'm not talking about like other types of things. I'm, I'm talking about those upsets, those arguments, those mm -hmm. business disappointments, those projects, those kinds of things and saying, what did I need to learn? What do I, so I will literally write it on my list. When something bad has happened to me, I will write on my list. What do I need to learn? How do I need to grow? Mm -hmm. what do I need to forgive in myself and others? And I can shift right away to a learning, growing, healing. And I know for certain. Okay. So I'm going to say something. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Something I normally only say to people who are in my membership or mastermind, but I'm going to say it. Okay. When you put a goal on your agenda, that goal is beyond what you're doing now. You asked me earlier, mm -hmm. this might be a nice way to wrap up the mm -hmm. looking at time. You asked me earlier, how big a goal? Well, let me put it this way. How big a lesson do you want? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you put this goal up there and it's substantively different than anything you have achieved or created to date. And it causes you to, you know, really level up to that next thing. I will literally put, you know, the goals on the mirror, whatever. I'll put my goals on the mirror. And then just for a split second, I'll like kind of go, oh God, I hope the, <laughs> the lesson that I need to grow through, mm -hmm. not go through, grow through mm -hmm. is going to be gentle. And so I'll put something on my goal and then I'll say, you know, please allow me to learn what I need to learn and do what I need to do in the most gentle and graceful way possible. I will be open to my messages. Please don't, you know, I've been, I've had a car accident. I've been, I've been sort of knocked down big time. So I've, I've, I've been a bit of a punching bag because I've been dense, you know, <laughs> so I try to be open so <laughs> I can. That's a great point. I think, I think yeah. openness, openness, yeah. curiosity, and a reaction of like something happens, whether good or bad, just saying interesting that's interesting instead of why me kind of replacing that and again the reframing it's like oh that's interesting now what do I do about it or how can I handle this and I think that is is really important because it is interesting life is interesting and there are these surprises that come out of nowhere good or bad that are that are showing us something and I think that's hugely important one thing I do want to mention too is you have a boom you that was which was created in 2018 
Yes. I always applaud people. That's an online coaching and training business. Uh, and I always applaud people who do that before the pandemic because they're the true visionaries. After the pandemic, it's like, yeah, of course, like everybody does that. But doing that before is quite amazing. Let's talk a little bit about that too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it was before the pandemic. It was something that I was discovering a need for in my own life, getting out of organizations, getting out of the grind, getting out of you know rush hour traffic. And I really wanted to get people working online. Mm -hmm. my, I, I use Zoom before anyone even knew what it was, which Good for I, you. I pin well, yes. And I, no, I actually opposed it. I should it. have bought stock. <laughs> but, <laughs> so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but okay, nobody's perfect. But uh, I, I love that because I was actually writing against it. I was like, this won't work. Education uh, remotely doesn't work. It's not the same. And I was wrong, you know, and it's like now I'm embracing it. So I'm not really a visionary in that sense, but you are. <laughs> my, well, my clients were rallying against it somewhat. Yeah. But I was, I, I have been building businesses for uh, two decades now. So yeah, you're right. It's not just some sort of business of convenience. Mm -hmm. I real knowledge in how to build businesses across industries and critically not me too businesses because you mentioned a lot of people are doing this now but what a lot of people are doing is selling sort of a business in a kit it's like follow my you know mm -hmm. steps mm -hmm. and you'll have a business and they're not teaching the foundational elements that help uh, entrepreneur truly thrive mm -hmm. which you can think of it like an mba for entrepreneurship. The other thing is marketing has changed dramatically since the last couple of years, since we've all stayed at home. And in the first year, marketing and marketing messaging needs have changed. And because I've been doing this for two decades, the kind of ways that worked for marketing a few decades ago, these rules aren't always working. And so I know that I went down the wrong road a few times because of this very problem. And what's happened is the first year where we were all locked down, certain things were, worked really well in marketing. And the people who figured that out did very well. The second year that actually changed. Mm -hmm. And so what worked the first year didn't work in the second year. And so when we're learning these kits and systems, we have to also know enough to know whether or not they're still current. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about having foundational training as an entrepreneur, things, the things that never change in your business is things like, you know, how you perform or how you lead or how you make decisions or how you develop strategy or how you get enough information or how do you get the right voices in the room or how do you know or move forward with confidence or how do you choose the right program? All of these types of things are foundational and can support you. And when you have that, you ask the right questions so that you don't get taken down the garden path somewhere. So I, I do it differently because I really do believe in foundationally developing people to be leaders mm -hmm. because that's something that does require development and we can't follow our coaches into success we have to lead ourselves into success yeah. and so that's a foundational difference and there are some who are stuck in their old ways and they're not learning they're not adjusting to the new reality and that's not good either where you just like you know you do have to go with the flow but again bring your unique touch again to that 
your unique vision. And now it's just like you're moving it from one medium to another, but it's that vision is still the same. Absolutely. Although I, I must confess, I think mm -hmm. that those who are listening here to you, Arash, are mm -hmm. forward thinking people who are not doing that. I think that <laughs> you have an audience of people who, who are, who are interested in learning about themselves and mm -hmm. the world and our relationship to the world and who are thinking in a bigger way about who they are. I don't think they're the ones who are stuck in, yeah. you know, no, I think no, no. genuinely right now, you and I are speaking to some pretty evolved people because they I've, you know, I've paid attention to your podcast and I, mm -hmm. I'm aware that it's, you're elevated in the types of things you think about and share. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, such a wonderful discussion, such a fascinating discussion, Jill McCabe. Uh, you're an author, teacher, coach, entrepreneur, and your book, It's Go Time, Build the Business and Life You Really Want. We got a, a bit of a glimpse of it. There's so much more to discover there. I highly recommend people to, to check out your book as well as you have a podcast, Thinking Vitamins. Highly recommend it too, because uh, uh, you're, you're driving things. You are uh, getting the creative juices flowing and you are diving into the subconscious. I applaud all of that and technology too. So thank you so much for being on Rash's World. It's been simply my pleasure. And thank you very much for inviting me for this conversation. I've had a lot of fun sharing these ideas with your listeners. I hope to hear from some of your listeners if they Absolutely. have uh, any questions or want to take a conversation further. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much.